Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. News of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, the Chauvin trial for the killing of George Floyd continues in Minneapolis. And every day brings a new little detail that I fear is leading towards a crescendo of unrest if a if an unpopular verdict comes down. What's the latest, Binkley? I'd say you're right about the unpopular verdict and unrest. I'd say that was probably the plan to begin with. Probably why they chose to highlight this case over some of the other cases that you have highlighted. Today, what I am noticing is that Morris Hall, this is the guy who was in the car with with Floyd who might have given him the drugs, according to George Floyd's girlfriend. And he was pleading the fifth, and we find out why he's pleading the fifth today. And the reason he's pleading the fifth is over fears that he could be charged with murder. His reasoning for wanting to plead the fifth, his lawyer says, is because he fears being exposed to a third-degree murder charge relating to Floyd's death. And his fears of being, he fears being questioned on whether he provided drugs to Floyd before the police arrived at the scene. And... Those drugs, which the lawyer says there's an allegation that Mr. Floyd ingested a controlled substance as police were removing him from the car and that they found drugs in the car. So this guy don't want to get questioned about giving him the drugs because he fears he could be exposed to a third to prosecution for third degree murder. That's what I was talking about the other day. And he's a he's a main witness, too. He was right there and he's not going to testify. And what I think is weird, maybe they have more time before they bring a charge like this, but. From what I recall in law school, if you are engaging in a felony with someone and that person dies or anyone dies during the crime, even if it's a cop shot it, I, I thought of this with uh, Lavoy Finnegan, the guy who died like in a shootout after the Bundy standoff. I thought yeah. that the the then I guess the Bundys walked away, if I recall correctly. If they were engaged in a felony that led to this guy's death, even if the cop cop shot him, that's called felony murder. It's kind of a weird thing because you don't have to have the mens rea nor the actus reus. It's just implied. And this guy was involved in the counterfeit crime, right? Which is what led to this cascade event. It was his counterfeit 20. He gave the counterfeit 20 to Floyd, I think. I think he tried it first and then gave it to Floyd. So. Yeah, that that sounds to me like I'm surprised that guy isn't being charged with felony murder. Obviously, they make these decisions uh, optically or whatever to make sure that they get the yeah. convictions they're looking for. In this case, I fear that they're looking to not get a conviction or it's a case that should never have been brought because of the reasonable doubt that Floyd right. died from fentanyl. Yeah. And this takes it to another level than from what we've seen at, at Ferguson and other instances, where in those instances, there was unrest after a police officer wasn't charged, after the police officer got off. Here, we could see a circumstance where the police officer not only gets off, but George Floyd's friend is then arrested, who is a, a black man. So the white guy, the white cop gets off, and then the buddy of the guy who's dead is arrested and potentially charged with his friend's murder. That could really make things just completely explode. It, it, it feeds the narrative fuel of division. With that type of that has type there of ever been a follow up with Ahmad Arbery? 
I haven't heard any news on that in a long time. The Georgia one. The Georgia was, one. Oh, the, oh, I thought you were talking about the guy from the Center for Digital Hate, Ahmad. But no, you're oh, talking about Oh, Ahmad, Ahmad, Ahmad. That's a good question. I have not looked to see what the latest on that case is. If we're not hearing about it, I'm wondering yeah. if it's going the right way. I'm wondering if they must have had that guy and, dead to rights for trespassing and all this other stuff, mental illness. I mean, not that that they actually like those those stories that can break either way is the stuff that usually dominates the headlines or is in this because you've it's highly polarized. People look through their lenses and they can see what they want to see. Whereas the case that you were referring to that I talk about all the time is Anthony McLean shot in the back by a white cop while running away, probably because he had pot in his pants from a traffic stop. So, yeah. I mean, they say he had a gun, but the gun was like broken and weird and and there's no uh, there were. Cameras everywhere, but no no cameras that actually showed the gun during any of this um, event. So Anthony McLean, that's a, that is a clear case, which is why it's not brought to the fore. I think that is why this stuff is the center of attention, because it could go either way, will be divisive. And as we saw in like yet another series of fantastic Rockfin clips, thank you very much. The three thank pillars... You. The three pillars on which they are building, changing the world are COVID, racial unrest or conflict and climate change. I mean, they it became crystal clear to me why they coupled the protests, race oriented protests last year with the COVID stuff, because this is these are the ashes from which the phoenix of the Great Reset is emerging. Yes, it is. And they lay it out very clearly. And when you see these clips, you can see how it's happening in real time in front of our eyes right now. Uh, follow up with uh, Ahmad Aubrey. One thing that has come from it, and we did mention this later or before, is that the citizens arrest law in Georgia is there's been a bill passed that would remove that law officially. So that is one thing that has come from it now. Right, right. I don't know how that's going to affect when people intervene well, and they see things happening. It's all I, that's right. You did bring that. Uh, it's it seems like I think happens with politicians, Ted Cruz or Trump. I don't know that whatever kind of feels like they're taking the lead. It was like um Obama and some other kind of created persons or Trump. But, you know, the, a lot of people get get. What is the biblical expression? Many are called, but few are chosen. So a lot of people are created and a few rise to the surface and yeah. their roles may morph. They may change, but you pick a few cases like this and the one that has the most. I mean, George Floyd obviously was the one that they put pushed the most, but Ahmaud Arbery might have might have taken the lead. But right now it's not necessary, I guess. Maybe yeah, it'll, so. maybe it'll be a. You know, it'll it'll start ramping up when this starts coming down. You know, maybe they'll yeah. do a little double time. I'm wondering how much longer the Chauvin trial is going to go on. It's becoming more and more evident that unless the jury is pressured or unless they don't follow the evidence put in front of them, that he's going to get acquitted. <laughs> oh, my God. And they've already got the the walls built, the barbed wire. They've been prepared for this. So is he going to get killed, you think? I don't know. Hopefully, somehow. This disaster is averted and they can control the unrest. But the media is 
they're complicit in this because they are not reporting the full range of what's happening in the trial. They're trying to make it look, they're trying to, they're cherry picking clips. They're not talking about the actual law and they're not showing pictures that might help give more context. They're, they're only showing ones that further the agenda. They are fueling what is going to happen there. And it's sick, sick to me. It just sounds to me like there's reasonable doubt. Like I don't think this case would have been brought to the trial if it weren't if it weren't for the public yeah, it's, pressure it's, to start out it sucks because nobody it, nobody's happy about what happened the whole thing is terrible and a bunch of more people are probably going to get killed because of it there's definitely going to be violence and there's probably going to be buildings burned down i hope i'm wrong but it's a shame that the media does not work to try and ease that tension instead they try and amp it up it ticks me off another bs thing going on right now which is pretty much everything in the news can be described that way. But <laughs> so, we know so yeah, true. we know that the All-Star Game was pulled out of Atlanta over its voting laws, which are not in any way racist, but are being said to be the most racist thing that's ever existed in humankind. <laughs> Major League Baseball. And actually, I think the opinion that they're racist laws is racist. Is racist in and of itself because it implies yes. that black people don't know how to do these basic things to get a license. It implies that NBA players and baseball players are all black, according to what Joe Biden said about how the athletes are going to be the people most affected by these laws. Yeah, I'm sure that Trey Young can't go get an ID because of the voter suppression. It's, it's embarrassing. Like, I find their arguments embarrassing. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's embarrassing. It's condescending. Yeah, elitist, racist, yeah. Insulting. So they chose a new location for the All-Star Game, and that location is Coors Field, home of the Colorado Rockies. And the Rockies sent out quite a, a celebratory tweet in response to this happening that basically showing itself to be just the model of anti-racism, you know, comparatively to Georgia being the model of just Jim Crow on steroids. Everything's Jim Crow on steroids. I want to get a bumper sticker that says, I don't know what you're doing, but I know it's Jim Crow on steroids. (laughs) Because that's the way everything is getting talked about right now. Like a tweet I sent out the other day. Somebody just said something about the, you know, whatever, a very funny picture of like somebody who just got the vaccine and had a baby arm growing out of her head or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and I just total non sequitur, of course, was you're a racist. So I tweeted, I think you're a racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he was like, wait, wait, what? You know, I thought he you were th- serious? Yeah, he thought he thought I was joking. But then he was like, I don't know these days. Like, you know, it's just too, it's too, I was like, of course I was joking because it's a complete non sequitur. However, yeah. It being a complete non-secretary is not enough, but I'm interested in the Colorado story. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So I'm going to read to you their statement because it is definitely relevant to the story. Let's say you got a job or you got a role unexpectedly because somebody else who got hired before you, something happened and they weren't able to get this job or this role. And you were asked about it. Most people, I think, would probably take the humble route and say, it's a shame about what happened. I'm happy to, to do this. It's a great opportunity. It sucks for that person who didn't get it because of whatever happened. You probably wouldn't go, yeah, that person sucks and I'm great and boast about it in public because you'd look like a prick. However, things are different when we're talking about Georgia's voting laws, because if you do not do that, if you actually say sucks for them, we're happy, then you will be seen as someone who is not taking a stand against the racist voter suppression laws. So therefore, you must be boastfully proud about you getting it and those racists having it taken away. And that's this message. So here's what the message says. 2021 All-Star Game coming to Denver. 
Today is an exciting day for our state and a mark of what's to come as we reach the ninth inning of the global pandemic. Nice little, nice little turn of phrase there. We've known all along that Colorado is the perfect home for the All-Star Game, and we're thrilled to welcome be- baseball's best to Coors Field. Every day, more Coloradans are getting protection they need to get through. They're getting this life-saving vaccine. They're opening up more opportunities for people in Colorado to enjoy the activities we love, including baseball. And I look forward to celebrating this tradition with fans and the Home Run Derby. And then it's followed up by a bunch of comments underneath it talking about their voting laws and how great their voting laws are. And this is an example, in my opinion, of the Great Reset. If you do the wrong thing, you will be punished and money will be taken out of your city and it will be given to the perfect example of a a city that follows our rules. So it's putting other corporations and states on notice, in my opinion, and I'll get your comments and I'll tell you about what the main difference is in the two voting laws. I just wanted to remind people that the 2017 word of the year, 2017, so the first year Trump was president, was complicit. And I believe it was hurled at Ivanka because Ivanka is a yeah. was a Democrat, Jewish chick. But because she didn't denounce her father, she was considered complicit, if I remember the story correctly. But it yeah. rose to the level where complicit was the word of the year. So by this, yeah. if this guy were to say, sorry, Braves, then it would be tantamount to complicity. Exactly. That's exactly what I I gathered from that story. And in the clips we deconstructed last night, we heard them say, this is how it works. A company will make a public statement or do a public action that signals to the global corporations that they're good. They're on board. They are in allegiance with the global corporation great reset model. Don't cut off my supply lines. Give me access to the funding that is only given to people who follow the ESG the global reset standards. This is an example of that happening right now. This is a signal. Right. They were saying take tier two companies who can't really afford to divert resources to ESG compliance and make it clear to them that either they get on board or they're left out in the cold and that the opportunity will be they will be have a chance to be in the supply chain of the future. Yeah. But and they need to make it clear. They need to signal the big guys. The big guys need to recognize those signals. That's how we're going to change the world. That's literally what they're saying they want to do. And Major League Baseball is the corporation making the signal here. And I, I, they are basically putting their their names on that list. Like, I want to make that index of the World Economic Forum cooperators as yeah, like those yeah, yeah. are the stocks that Warren Buffett always says, pick stocks that you think are going to be around in 20 years. And if they are, then you will definitely make a good return. Those are the ones. Sadly, it's a moral dilemma, but... In a minute, I'll, I'll tell you who some of those companies might be. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The difference, the main difference being emphasized in the laws is that Colorado doesn't require a voting ID, an ID to vote, because they are one of five all mail-in voting states, which means that every eligible voter in Colorado receives a mail-in ballot before the election. And they say that in 2020, more than 99% of Colorado's vote arrived by mail. And Georgia, of course, they are now going to be requiring the voting ID. But what they listen to this phrasing when they they compare the two laws, how they do this word trickery to try and not try and not help people realize that Georgia actually has 
less restrictions in Colorado in some areas. They say Colorado offers vote centers to those who don't want to cast ballots by mail. The vote centers are open for 15 days and available to all registered voters in their county, regardless of their home address. Under Georgia's voting law, provisional ballots cast outside a voter's home precinct won't be counted, and 17 days of in-person early voting are required statewide before general elections. Now, the way they phrase that, it's easy to miss that they just admitted that Georgia offers 17 days of early voting. Colorado only offers 15. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of comments about that, about all of that, what you just said. Are you finished with the, word, yep. the difference? OK, so it is de facto homeless disenfranchisement if what you need is a home in order to receive the ballot automatically. That already gives a great advantage. And I'll tell you, while I think everyone can get an ID, I mean, the Obama phone, homeless people have the Obama phone. I knew, I actually sat at a bar, it was at the Vortex, and somebody sat next to me who obviously spends too much time at the Vortex, and her boyfriend was a homeless guy who was calling her. It's like your homeless boyfriend is calling you. She said, yeah. I said, he has a phone. She said, yeah, he has a phone. They gave him a phone. He's got a phone. So the homeless guy had a phone, which means, I mean, you could easily tie the ID to the phone. I mean, that is where we're going anyway. But the one thing a homeless guy does not have by definition is a home. So if you're getting ballots automatically mailed to you, that is going to give a preference to people with homes. Now, yes, there's going to be places you can go to vote. But the big problem with the Georgia law was that they were only putting drop boxes at voting facilities, at places where you could vote anyway, not like clumping drop boxes in one neighborhood and avoiding them in the other. But if if they if you actually have to go to a voting place to vote, as a homeless person, that is a real barrier. And about being able to vote inside or outside. It, it, it sounds like you're saying that houses and homes are Jim Crow on steroids. <laughs> Who said that? Biden or Stacey Biden. Abrams or a lot of people? Yeah. yeah. OK. And then the other thing is the thing about precinct voting and IDs is you either if you're not going to have IDs, you have to have in precinct voting. And I'll tell you why. Out in California, I, I could hardly believe my eyes, but I'm pretty sure this is what how it works. Every voting place, maybe in the whole state, I don't know, has the entire list of registered voters. And all you have to do is say your name. And if you take your license out, they don't want to see it. So you could go to every voting place and vote and they just cross your name off. And if at the end they see that like Monica Perez voted 10 times, they flag it. But because they don't write down who you voted for, they cannot correct that. And but previously I lived here once before. Back then you did vote in your precinct. So it was like at somebody's house on the next street. And then they would just you had to vote at that one place and then you don't need an ID because they just cross your name off the thing. And if somebody else comes in with your name, they know it. And that's what Garland was saying about the mail in stuff and the in person. If you go and vote in person, they then take a mail in ballot if it has your name on it also out of the pile. 
So you have to have a way, and that's okay because the vote is inside the envelope. You can take it out of the pile. You can't do it the other way because they don't know who you voted for, but you could do it that way. So these things, like the details matter, and it doesn't, it sounds to me like the Colorado thing. I'm sure they address the homeless question, although I was trying to just do a little quick and dirty research and I did, was not satisfied with the answer. Yeah. There's another angle to this that oh. I discovered do through tell. researching based on what the MLB's, you know, the most social justice statement you've ever heard in your life, the, the MLB originally made. And they said that Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. In 2020, MLB became the first professional sports league to join the nonpartisan Civic Alliance to help build a future in which everyone participates in shaping the United States. And the Civic Alliance, I got curious when I saw that, why would they be bragging about being the first sports organization to be a part of whatever this is? And I found out that the Civic Alliance is, according to them, they're a nonpartisan group of businesses working together to build a future where everyone participates in shaping our country. And the services they provide are they give toolkits, civic storyline toolkits out to corporations that help creators integrate themes into films, shows, podcast episodes, radio, and more. And in these civic toolkits, for example, one of the things that the director of the Civic Alliance said is that our resource to help content creators authentically and impactfully integrate civic themes into their films, TV shows, podcasts, and more. And they work with Comedy Central, MTV, Spotify, and about 998 other companies. <laughs> and they weave propaganda about voting into storylines of films and television and art. And they work with everybody. That that's what I came up with when I was trying to figure out what's so bad with Common Core. Like it is not crystal clear. And the answer that I came up with, and I don't know if, I, if there's there's a lot more to it, I'm sure. But was that they would bear the Common Core was supposed to have no content, which in itself is not really good. Although you do want to control the content locally. But they would just they would say so in the word problems in math would say Obama was rescuing someone from a burning building and he only had this amount of minutes and he knew there was one person but wasn't sure there was two. How much time will he have to search the building for the second person? Yeah. And then in your mind, you think Obama is good, but it's really just a math right. problem. It's like the implied assumption. It's the narrative. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't have to be like the stories aren't true. So, I mean, there was literally something like that. It was in an English thing. Yeah. And, and the narrative warfare chick was talking about the power of art in her book, the power of using artists and television to give these messages in indirect ways. A better way of phrasing what they do right here says they infuse storylines around voting and voting culture directly into content. So instead of a PSA, you get it in your television shows. And here's an example. One of the storylines they used in 2020 was an episode of the show Blackish, where focus on a first time voter, one of the characters who discovers that he has been dropped from the voter list and wants to find out why. <laughs> Th these are the talking points we see parroted everywhere. This company's creating them and doling them out. I remember growing up and my father would just, he, he, as soon like the odd couple was great. He's like all in the family. And then it just got unfunny, 
right? Just got unfunny. It's like crap and messages, always with the messages. Yeah. And it right. just was unfunny, ruined the shows. And and it it it's like uh what Darren Grimes of Grimerica said when we were talking to them about like he he's gotten to the point where every every single piece of entertainment is there to propagandize. And Mr. A, who just got a like a philosophy degree or something, a psychology degree, he said he was uh, at the DPP the other day and he said that it's just art is it's not it's not that art imitates life. It's that life imitates art. That's how they that's how they're doing it right now. And I think Jackson Pollock was funded by the CIA or something like there's real background to that. Actually, there's some exhaustive articles about the use of art. And obviously that is what propaganda is. That's why there's television, radio, movies. That is what it all is. But this is a real smoking gun of who's doing it and how. And when I saw that page and it's like, who's their members who are there? Like, as you were telling me about it, I looked it up and it said there were a thousand companies. And then next to that, it said five million employees reached. And first of all, the chick from last night's Rockfin video was saying how they only have a thousand like true blue, you can count on them to go all the way kind of companies. And then there's like 12,000 cooperators or something like that. But there are 40,000 public companies, all of which need to be on board. Then, but that it said how many employees. So by saying the 5 million employees are reached with a thousand companies who are cooperating. So it's not those companies taking like their slush fund, their community outreach and paying that or trying to craft their products around those messages. They are propagandizing their own employees. And the Brookings clip that you brought us at one point said how they did studies. And one of the, if not the most trusted person is a person's employer amazingly and then it also makes me think of the crisis of democracy where brzezinski said it's the it was the crisis of democracy what will we do about all these pesky voters and activists well you need to make sure that their livelihoods or their identities depend on an institution in which they have no say and that is what this feels like to me. Absolutely. The Civic Alliance, I downloaded their toolkit. And maybe I'll bring some from the toolkit tomorrow if I find something interesting about it. In our last story of the Free 30, we're going to talk about how the power to tax is the power to destroy. So why does Yellen want a global tax? But before we get to that, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the Patreon 15, which is the surprising benefits of the COVID vaccine, allegedly anyway, and my experience getting called out for not wearing a mask in a store. It was interesting, to say the least. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com. True Hemp Science is is your CBD expert. And what makes them really different is that they create handcraft quality, full spectrum CBD products by sourcing the highest grade hemp from around the world. And my personal favorite product of theirs is the Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract, 550 milligrams. Feels great, works great, smells great. Your friends will steal it from you like they did from me. And their t-shirts are awesome. I was wearing mine the other day and I went in, I was in Walmart actually, and a guy who had his mask down on his chin. It's a chin strap, which I like that. At least, at least have it down on your chin. <laughs> From across the aisle, he goes, hey, man, cool shirt. And I said, thanks, man. And it is a cool shirt. <laughs> it is a cool shirt. And it's very comfortable. And go ahead, Monica. I just, I get these little 
packages from my guy there. He always throws in, like, I tell him what I like. I order stuff. I use the promotion code, which is it prop 10? It's prop code in all caps. Yeah. No so spaces. You can also go to truehemscience.com slash prop report. Yes. I'm doing it out of memory. So, okay. And, but he always throws extra stuff in. So there's just a fun variety. And I'm not sure because some of that stuff is kind of bonus material. Uh, I'm not sure if it's all on the website, but I highly recommend. I mean, this stuff is absolutely the highest quality and it's very fun and there's actually differences. So there's some stuff that if you're uh, interested in CBD for anxiety or sleeplessness or mood, there are different qualities among the different products. So I highly recommend a free consultation with our guy at True Hemp Science. So go there and it's got a phone number on the website and I just highly recommend it. Yeah, check him out. TrueHempScience.com slash prop report. Prop code is the coupon code, all caps, no spaces. And if you haven't, Check us out on Rockfin at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. At Rockfin is where you can find these videos that we've been talking about in today's show, these deconstructions of the globalist. And you can get videos of our free content as well as those exclusive video analysis of those globalists themselves talking about how they're going to rule the world. What we do there is we deconstruct the globalist think tanks, panel discussions, The we deconstruct psychological warfare trainings, and really anything that has to do with the powers that be and them laying their plans. So the stuff we find from the horses' mouths themselves is sometimes jaw-dropping, and we only publish those deconstructions on Rockfin. And what you get at Rockfin is you're going to get hours a month of that exclusive analysis, and you're going to get early releases and exclusive videos. You're going to get commercial-free audio. You're going to get the videos that YouTube will not let us publish, which also includes the Rockfin exclusive live streams and Zoom parties and access to all content produced by all Rockfin creators. You see, the way that Rockfin works is it's kind of like a combination of YouTube meets Netflix without all the censorship. So when you sign up, you get access to the content of the creator you sign up with, as well as access to the content of everyone else on the platform, which includes people like Sam Tripoli, Whitney Webb, Scott Adams, and many more great content creators, all for just $9.99 a month. So check it out. Rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will be having another video released tomorrow, and it lays out exactly what's going on right now with this creeping corporate fascism from the horses' mouths themselves. So check that out. Rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Monica, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I think that we do. I think the Zoom parties are just patron right now, but we will oh, expand me. our yeah. offering. I mean, when we yeah. get thrown off of Patreon, Rockfin's <laughs> going to be the only place for our stuff. That's for sure. But I do love they. We've mastered their Rockfin live streaming stuff, and we're going to do swap casts, and we've just so many great new creators are joining all the time that I kind of feel like we should we should hook up with them and do exclusive swap casts as well. Yeah, absolutely. With that, on to our final story of the 3.30. This is a short one. It's just Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary right now. She was the head of the Fed, the first female head of the Fed. And she, so Biden wants to do this infrastructure project. It's a lot of stuff besides infrastructure. It's a lot of research, which people are like, well, 
my father always hated research, government research because he said it's not the government's place to do research. You shouldn't take tax dollars and do that. And then uh, further people would say, well, it benefits corporations and universities. And that's not right because they own the patents when it's done. I go even further and say it's that research that puts people out of a job artificially in a real free market. No research gets done that actually creates unemployment because the wages the marginal productivity of labor, they all adjust until all the available resources are used. You're not going to invest a lot of money in Siri, which was an insanely expensive thing to do, if you have uh, a million unemployed secretaries. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think it's bad. I think it's it's pathocratic. But in order to pay for it, they're doing something else, which I absolutely hate. They're suggesting a rise in corporate tax rates. So my argument has always been to make corporate tax rates zero and offset that by providing absolutely no funding for higher education. Because what we do is we subsidize higher education, like a uh, college and stuff, without discriminating on the basis of uh, major. So, and and we don't just give the money away. We in debt, we enslave the first act of many, if not most, American adults. The first thing they do before they even get to college is assume tens of thousands of dollars of school debt with no and because it's subsidized by the government and they don't discriminate against what you're studying there there is no correlation between the debt you're taking on and your expected ability to repay the debt so if you eliminate corporate taxes you would get a flood of companies here and what would they do they would pay for the workers to be trained or educated back in the day. I remember when I was a kid, my sister got a master's degree straight through college and the master's degree as a secretary working at a pharmaceutical company. They paid. She went to school at night and and then she became a scientist for them and they paid for the whole thing because it was in their interest to do so. But Johnny Ellen understands that if you jack up the corporate tax rate, instead of reducing it, you're going to lose companies. So she's calling for a worldwide minimum corporate tax. So first of all, that would add to what they what's commonly called uh, inflationary pressure. I think it's the monetary uh, policy that's strictly considering inflation, but it just it will make prices go up and they piss away the money. So it's prices go up to pay taxes where they don't use it on the most productive way. There's so much bull in that stuff that it really isn't going to pay off the way it would if the money stayed in the hands of the private sector. Plus, if you then have all the tax all the tax regimes the same. You don't have this competition for people. You don't have um, any best practices. People can't, there's no place to go. You're, it's a truly a prison planet. Like you can't have a brain drain because there's no place to go. And um, I did notice that, like, I don't know if the corporation would affect the people who kind of incorporated, became partnerships or S-corps or stuff under Trump. I really don't know if they're going to, like, get that down and dirty about it, if there's any surprises like that. But even if it's just like the big corporations, they are going to, in order to do this, 
And you can see it in the North American Union document from the Council of Foreign Relations, which William Weld co-authored and uh, Heidi Cruz signed off on, among other people, about how in order to get legislators in different countries on board, you have these behind the scenes organization. And it actually cited the Bilderberg Group that will guide the legislation and influence legislators. That's totally unconstitutional for us, but it's what they do. It's what they were talking about doing last night, where that guy, Ruggie, said he sat down with the lawyers and crafted the laws. He crafts the human rights stuff. All companies have to do is adopt them. And once the companies adopt them, the countries will adopt them. So this is absolutely undermining the sovereignty of other countries. And you know they play dirty pool with this stuff. Look into what happened to the Belarus president. when he was. He, if he's a big dictator or whatever, he's been there for 35 years, he decided not to go along with the global pressure to lock down for COVID and he's he's on the ropes now. So this kind of thing to me is very dangerous. It's just one more stepping stone to world government has many disadvantages. And I am not a fan of corporate taxation at all. Anyway, I'm also not a fan of corporate privilege and I do not like fascism for straightforward or backdoor. But this, I think, is is something that uh, it's got red flags all over it for me. It certainly sounds like it. We got any shout outs? I've got some shout outs. Yes. I would like to shout out Stephen. Stephen has a good shout out. He's, uh, he's doing a solid for somebody. Stephen is a longtime listener, few time caller. I think the last time we spoke was the 2012 election. I love the show. So that's a WSB caller, no doubt. Always have. And I would like to shout out to Will Kuntz out of St. Petersburg, Florida. He does a weekly podcast called The Homemade Broadcast. I enjoy it very much. The Homemade Broadcast airs Sundays on Shine FM 96.7 in downtown St. Petersburg and anywhere in the world at Radio St. Pete, which is www.radiostpete.com at 6.10 p.m. Uh, and Mondays at 10.15 p.m. or on demand via your favorite podcast app. Just search HMB Radio Tampa Bay. I tune in on the iHeart app. Y'all keep up the great work. That was a very thorough Shout out to the homemade broadcast. And if Stephen likes them and loves us, my guess is it's worth checking out. So thank you, Stephen. Thanks for your support. Thanks for the shout out. I'm actually getting low on shout outs. So I'll send out a call for shout outs. But if you want to shout something out to me, your patron saint, go ahead and message me on Patreon. But I'll put out a post coming soon. And now for the patron 15. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we were telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report for our Rockfin content. We will talk to you all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.